Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. to snap the Rileys. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly. He's going. Going to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown Eskimo. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Hey, hey, it's the first show of 2017. How are your resolutions going so far? The Oilers resolve to end a long winning streak tomorrow. Man, this is going to be a fun one on 6.30, Chad. 3.30 face-off show tomorrow. The game starts at 5. The Oilers taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. All the Blue Jackets have done is not lose since November 26th. And you know what? That was in a shootout. They haven't lost in regulation time since the 23rd of November when Calgary beat them 2-0. 15 straight for the Blue Jackets. They are tied with the 81-82 Islanders and the 12-13 Penguins for the second longest winning streak ever. The 92-93 Penguins won 17 in a row. We'll tee that one up for you and talk about what's been going right for the Blue Jackets as we move along tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Hope you have had a uh, great New Year's weekend. Uh, I know probably some of you are a little bummed out about going back to work tomorrow. Well, don't worry. We're going to have a good time for the next couple of hours, and you are welcome to chime in if you like. 780-496-0063 is our open line number. You can also text 630-630. I'm Reed Wilkins, by the way. Patrick Bauer is our studio producer this evening. We'll uh, chat with him as we move along this evening, too. Bob Stoffer is going to jump on in about half an hour. He is in Columbus with the Oilers. So what happened was the Oilers practiced yesterday at the community rink. They flew today to Columbus and then the game coming up tomorrow. Jody Shelley, former NHLer and analyst with Fox Sports Ohio, will tell us about the Blue Jackets too. So, uh, oh, and the World Junior Game is about to start. Canada and the Czech Republic, the fourth and final quarterfinal of the day. This one in Montreal. Here's what's happened otherwise. The United States holding on to beat Switzerland 3-2. Russia over Denmark 4-0. So the United States and Russia will play in a semifinal on Wednesday. The winner of Canada, Czech Republic, will get Sweden. Sweden rolling over Slovakia today 8-3. So that's the setup from the World Junior Tournament. NHL action today. Here's what's going on. 1-0. The Devils lead Boston early in the second period. 
the uh, outdoor game, the Winter Classic, the Blues over the Blackhawks 4-1 earlier. The Avalanche play the Canucks. That one is coming up uh, at 8 o'clock, Ched time. The Oilers coming off a New Year's Eve game where they faced a very plucky Vancouver Canucks team. I think uh, a, a game where I know Rob and I talked about it after the game on New Year's Eve. Not an overly detailed game by the Oilers. I, I think our expectations for the team have gone up. They, they didn't quite play at the level that they have a lot of the times recently, but I think you also have to hand Vancouver credit as well. They they played a, a pretty hard-checking game. They kept the Oilers out of the scoring area a lot, five-on-five. Five. The Oilers' power play was really dangerous. They got that big power play goal late in the game to tie it and force overtime. Kajula's goal in the second period came three seconds after a Canucks penalty expired, so the Oilers did ap- apply pressure with the power play. Five-on-five, uh, five, Vancouver was was better, I thought, though Jordan Eberle had a great look 5-on-5 with about a minute left that could have won it in regulation time. So the Oilers get another point. Kind of an unusual-looking record in the month of December for the Oilers. 7-2-5, so they win half their games and get at least a point in 12 out of 14. They were only beaten in regulation time twice and they continue to hang around in second place in the Pacific Division. They're 4-0-2 in their last six. The Oilers have had a lot of great teams in their history, obviously most of them in the 1980s, but the Oilers' longest winning streak of all time was a nine-gamer and that was in February and March of 2001. They won nine games in a row. That was Craig McTavish's first year as the head coach. Little bit of uh, news today for the Oilers. Anton Lander has been called up from the farm. He's been very good for the Bakersfield Condors. 21 points in 13 games. Taylor Beck goes down. Also, uh, yesterday, the Oilers assigned Jordan Osterley, the young defenseman, back to the farm team. Andre Sekera did travel with the Oilers. He did practice on Sunday, did take the morning skate on Saturday, but he's missed the last two games with an illness. They're hopeful that he can play tomorrow against Columbus, and I would think uh, that Osterley going down is a pretty good sign that he will. So, it's interesting. We, we get into this part of the season. We're coming up on the halfway point. The season's going to grind on. You'll you'll see some teams drop out of the race. The Oilers obviously very much in a playoff race. Columbus just beat Minnesota on Saturday. That was a 14-game winning streak against a 12. Columbus gets the win to extend it to 15 games. So with the Oilers going into Columbus, a chance to end the winning streak, certainly a little more hype surrounding the game than usual. Milan Lucic commenting on playing the Blue Jackets. Obviously, uh, they're they're firing at all cylinders, and uh, you know they they've put together a tremendous run, and uh, their goalie's playing great. Their their defensive play is great. They're they're finding goal scoring from from everyone, and uh, you know that's what it takes to go on a 15-game win streak. And for us. You know, you got to look forward to the challenge. I mean, you got to embrace it. You, you know, it's going to be hard. You know, it's going to be uh, a tough game to get two points. But that's the fun in, in, in being a competitor and being a competitive team is is playing the best of the best. And you know, now that the the Buckeyes are out, I mean, in Columbus, all the focus is on the Blue Jackets, and I'm sure it's going to be rocking on uh, Jan- January 3rd. All right, well, I'm sure it'll be very fun. Uh, yes, uh, referencing a little college football there, which is uh, huge in the United States and obviously big this time. Either Rose Bowl's actually going on right now. That's Milan uh, Lucic as the Oilers will try to end the Columbus win streak tomorrow. Right, Columbus is a good team. I mean, they got Cam Atkinson, 
who uh, is one of the most dangerous shooters in the NHL this season. He has 17 goals in 35 games. He's eighth in league scoring. He's over a point a game, 37 points in 35. And, and I thought we saw from Columbus's visit here on December 13th, and the Oilers have already been part of this winning streak for Columbus. They've already been part of this winning streak. It was uh, it was win number seven back on December 13th when uh, the Oilers jumped out to a one nothing lead. They had a goal disallowed that could have made it 2 nothing. weren't able to stretch it, and uh, Columbus then took over the last half of the game and left Edmonton with a 3-1 victory. Head coach Todd McClellan. You know, I thought early in the game we were able to play with them. By the end of the night, they took the game over, and uh, they have a tendency to do that. All four of their lines play uh, a quick-paced, hard uh, attacking game and um, you know you can't have two good shifts and then two bad ones because they just they prey on mo- on momentum swings and I thought in that game we established momentum we never maintained it and then eventually lost it. Well and that was to me the impressive thing about seeing the Blue Jackets in that game and obviously what they've done since they have depth uh, they have a, they have a good power play and, and they play. I mean, the Oilers want to play fast, hard, and supportive. Those are the buzzwords McClellan came in with in the summer of 2015 when he was hired. And, and I think we see the Blue Blue Jackets doing that. They play very fast. They play hard on the puck. They create turnovers. They get the puck to the net. Uh, I mean, you saw Sam Gagne, the former Oiler, looking very good on the power play when they were here in December. So they're at, and it's been very interesting for the Blue Jackets what they have gone through the last couple of years because they two years ago they finished the season 13-1-1 and just missed out on the playoffs and then going into into last year so 15-16 a lot of people said well they're the team on the uptick they finished the season so strong and they start 0-7 and they fire their coach Todd Richards and uh, they, they wind up in the near the bottom of the standings you know with the Oilers they wind up in the draft lottery they uh, they get the third pick. They surprise a lot of people by taking Pierre-Luc Dubois at three instead of Yessi Puglia-Yarvi, thus leaving him available for the Oilers to select. And so then this season, it's, it seemed like, okay, well, they're probably going to be a middling team, probably not that good, probably not in the playoffs. And all they're doing is leading the entire National Hockey League. So, But, but a team where a lot of things that, uh, uh, well, that doesn't sound like things are working. And Sergei Bobrovsky has been on the case. He's been very good for the Blue Jackets this season. So they're a team that has put it all together and have now recorded a, a historic winning streak. Sean texting into 63630. He says, Reed, sounds like your show is actually live. Is it? Yes, it is, Sean. I'm actually live. I'm actually here. I love you all so much. I thought I would I would do the show instead of take I don't I don't need any more days off. Uh, he goes, uh, I hate the holidays, except you know the days off and the cold and snow and arguing and the lethargic feeling. <laughs> Sean says, glad you're back for real. The Oilers will make the playoffs. Well, they're in a pretty good spot. I'm just going to call up this uh, trusty website here. Hang on. Should have had it ready. Uh, I don't know how many of you go to this. There's a website called Sports Club Stats, and they do daily calculations on a team's playoff chances based on where they are in the standings and games remaining and who plays who and all that kind of stuff. And sportsclubstats.com has the Oilers at 93.5% likelihood to make the playoffs. I think you all would have taken that. 
at the beginning of the year that we'd be going into 2017 with the Oilers at 93.5% to make the playoffs. A lot of positive steps for the Oilers, and uh, one of the players had a very interesting comment about the transition from last year to this year, and you'll hear that when we get back. It's six sixteen. My name's Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chet. Mark Letestu, a former Columbus Blue Jacket, going into his old barn tomorrow night. About seven minutes into the first period, World Junior quarterfinal, the Czech Republic and Canada. Nil-nil. No goals yet. We'll keep you updated as we move along tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. Happy New Year. Patrick Bauer is our studio producer this evening. Patrick, old boy, how was your uh, New Year's uh, weekend? Uh, pretty uneventful. Played a lot of video games. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all we all got to enrich our lives somehow. Yeah, and I did mine in a pair of underwear on my couch. That was it. <laughs> all right. Well, there's the image. Of, there's a great image for you, everybody. <laughs> Thankfully, they can't see they, what I look like. Well, no, I got a mental image. Uh, I'll tell you what, Patrick Bauer. Everybody remember Fabio? Fabio, like the looks guy that got hit in the face with a seagull on the looks, roller coaster? Looks nothing like Fabio. No, nothing at all. Uh, now, what is your video game of choice, dare I ask? I have recently got into Fallout 4. I know it came out like a year ago, but it's a massive game, and yeah, it's pretty addictive. It's uh, nothing to do with sports, probably boring your listeners. No, not at all. I, no? I, no? I just, uh, I'm a limited vi- video game player. Though I'm of the generation, being a 42-year-old man, I'm of the generation where it was fairly standard for uh, youngsters when I was growing up in the 80s where you, you would have a home console. Yeah. So I think I'm of the generation where we'll always have an awareness and a pre- an appreciation. And even as we get older, recognize that video games are a legitimate leisure activity. When I think to my parents' generation, they're kind of like, we, we, we don't really, we, we didn't do that. So we don't, we're not that interested. Do you consider them a sport? Do I consider video games a sport? I most assuredly do not. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. They Isn't are not there a, a sport. League of Legends or something like that where they do it competitively? Is that what it's called? There's dozens and dozens of games that they compete against each other in competitively, but none of them would I consider a sport. Now, what is uh, what is Fallout? Is that a, a shooter game? What are they called? Uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland survival thing, so... Yeah, it's uh, you fight zombie mutants, ghouls. Well, that's always fun. It's always fun. Uh, I mean, if, if I'm going to fight a mutant, <laughs> I would want him to already be zombified. Absolutely. Yes. Well, it was a great New Year's Eve. Uh, I was uh, sitting in our broadcast booth at New Year's Eve right. as the clock turned to 2017. So I actually put a photo on my Instagram account. Looking at the uh, looking at the scoreboard, so that was uh, that was kind of neat. Look at you, 21st century man, gone from ColecoVision when you were a kid to Instagram now. I had a television. Hey, which? I had an Intellivision. I don't even know what that is. By the way, we'll get back to the order stuff <laughs> in a minute here, but we're coming out of the holidays, so I'm wondering how many people, because uh, my my buddy uh, bought this for his girlfriend for Christmas, and I was I was at their house a couple days ago and was playing it. Uh, the 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 Nintendo system that they reissued. So it's about a third of the size of the Nintendo that came out in the 80s, and it has something like 50 games already on it. Yeah. And you can save your games, which, of course, was not an option with the old cartridges. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were playing uh, Excite Bike and Bubble Bobble, and, and so, I can't even remember. We were trying a whole bunch. What was interesting, the, the cord was like three feet long. 
Yeah. Because now, now we're used to wireless controllers, yeah. right? So you can sit as far away as you want. So we, we had to pull up chairs incredibly close to the television to play. But I guess that wasn't that one of the hot gifts this year, this, Nite this little sold, Nintendo like, Entertainment System? They sold 200,000 of those in a month. In a month, 200000 They were backed up everywhere. They were selling for thousands of dollars. It's an $80 machine. They were selling for thousands of dollars on Amazon and eBay from people that had scooped up a bunch of them just to resell them. Now, was that bigger than the Hatchable? I think the Hatchable was bigger. I think that was the big prize, yeah. For kids, anyway. The Hatchable, yeah. I'm not going to be honest with you, the Hatchable <laughs> creeps me out a little bit. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's 623 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Uh, what do we got here on the text line? Uh, Ron says, do... Points in a shootout count for the player's total. No, they do not. Guy scores in the shootout. He does not get a goal. Uh, Sean says, Reed, when might the Oilers have set lines up front? I think they need to be sure to keep McDavid and Dreisaitl apart and find guys for each. Well, I mean, the answer to your question is never. They're never going to have set lines. It looks like... Lucic and Maroon are going to be flip-flopped, and they did that during the game on New Year's Eve. So I would expect Maroon, McDavid, and Eberle, Lucic, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins to be on a line tomorrow. And after the, the practice yesterday, I asked McClellan uh, about Lucic and Maroon and a little bit of a compare-and-contrast type question. You know, they're, they're the same in stature as far as size, the ability to create space for themselves and their teammates, uh, the policeman role, if you want to call it that. Um, uh, in my opinion, Patrick uh, rolls around a little bit better with the puck. Luch plays a little better in straight lines and, and goes to the blue paint. Uh, so sometimes it's just a different ingredient and, and, and shaking things up a little bit. All right, so I think that's a fair point, and, and, I, and I think those guys are going to move back and forth. The, I guess, unfortunate thing for this season is, is I thought maybe Pouliot would be in that discussion for left wingers kind of rotating through the top couple of lines. He hasn't been, so I think Maroon and Lucic are going to rotate back and forth there. And I think that's a good description. Lucic, is, they can both occupy the blue paint. Maroon may be better at, at, at reading plays and, and you know filling gaps and going side to side. Lucic, more of a straightaway get to the blue paint paint type player they've both been effective at at times this season i don't i don't have a problem with them moving back and forth i mean i don't think i i don't think you know hard and fast set lines are, are really a reality in the nhl these days um i i think the texture makes a good point probably with the way dry and mcdavid have been playing you would want them separated most of the time because it seems whoever plays with those guys does a little bit better. And quite frankly, I thought Dreisaitl, as, look, McDavid's like second in the league in scoring, as great as he has been and as great as he will be, I thought McDavid, I thought Dreisaitl was the Oilers' best forward in December. I really, really, if I had to pick the Oilers' three stars for December, they would be Dreisaitl, Sekera, and Talbot. Now, nothing against McDavid because he had a pretty strong month as well. Um, but I thought those three guys were, were really, really good for the Oilers this month. Going into Columbus tomorrow, Mark Letestu set to take on his former team, maybe end their winning streak. Well, I don't know if it feels different. It's it's a fun thing to be a part of. I know that that building's going to be rock, and it's going to be a, you know, an atmosphere will be as electric as we've had uh, this season. 
Uh, but the, the opportunity to end their streak, I think, is something we're all excited about. Uh, to beat a team that's on top of its game and on top of the league at this point, uh, to beat them, I think, would be a nice feather in the cap. All right, a little bit from Mark Letestu. More on the uh, game tomorrow on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. And Bob Stoffer coming up after the 630 News. He is with the Oilers in Columbus. They flew there today. Lumley fan texting in. He says, bubble bobble on arcade nights was awesome. And then he just has 80s exclamation mark. Ah, lonely fan. He's one of my favorites. All right, we're coming up to the 6.30 news. Eight minutes left in the first period. Still no score between Canada and the Czech Republic. That is a uh, World Junior quarterfinal. The winner will face Sweden in the semis on Wednesday. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30 Jet. This is Oscar Kleftbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Shad. Canada on a power play, five minutes left in the first period, looking to open the scoring World Junior quarterfinal in Montreal. Apparently the building not full for that game. Of course, they've done this Montreal-Toronto combo uh, twice now in the last three tournaments. Other World Junior scores today, Sweden over Slovakia, 8-3. The uh, winner of the Canada game plays Sweden. Russia blanking Denmark 4-zip. The United States over Switzerland 4-2. So USA-Russia in a semifinal on Wednesday. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, going to get to Bob Stoffer in about a minute here, but I want to set up the interview uh, just with a quick thought and playing a clip from uh, after the Oilers skated yesterday and as as someone who's around the Oilers obviously pretty much every day when they're home and, and interviews uh, players and gets to participate in the Todd McClellan availability I, I, I try not to frame too many questions around last year I mean obviously the team is better than last year and and they're coming out of a really tough decade and looking looking good to make the playoffs this year um, but but I, I realize players as competitive they are, often don't want to talk about the past. And let's face it, there's a lot of guys who weren't here last year or only here for part of last year and certainly who weren't here for the other years the Oilers uh, missed the playoffs. But there was a question yesterday to Mark Letestu about last season and and how the Oilers are obviously better and better at handling stressful situations and doing better in close games and all that stuff. And I thought Letestu made an interesting comment. Here, here Here's what it is. I think last year was almost an orientation year you know like coach says the belief system a lot of things and now this year a lot of that stuff's been implemented for a year and I think we're seeing it come out uh, a lot more often but uh, the standards obviously went up last year Uh, they've been elevated again and and I would assume that they'll continue to be elevated as the year goes on. Well, I'm sure they will, and I think that's important to remember too. But but as I bring in Bob Stoffer from Columbus, he hosts Oilers Now every day, noon to two here on Ched, and he's the Oilers color analyst as well. I, I thought that was interesting, the use of the word orientation year. Uh, last year, last year, Bob, uh, by Mark Letesto. I know he, I know he's doing an interview spur of the moment, but uh, I thought that was interesting that that was the word that, that came to his mind when he was answering that question. Well, I don't think we really got to fully see what the team was capable of doing last year because, you know, we got ripped off uh, 35 games out of Conor McDavid and 50 games out of Oscar Clefbaum. Uh, I do think that the one thing that can be said about, and people might not agree with the line combinations, you know, there's people every day texting your show and my show about, you know, why is Jordan Everly still on the top line with Conor McDavid? Why is Lucic there as long as he was before they... They moved to Maroon, but I think that even 
even an Oilers hater would acknowledge that there's an instruction and process put in the team's game. And this is a, an extension and a manifestation of the theory, uh, you know, of the orientation taking place. So, uh, you know, they've added, they've added some things. This group is growing. They're still in a growth stage. But I think their team game has dramatically improved. And that said, I, I still think that the manager and the, the head coach think there's uh, an incredible amount of room to grow here. Well, absolutely. And certainly the way they defend and the way they, they break the puck out of their own end is is miles ahead of where we've seen it in recent seasons. And, and Bob, we saw it at practice yesterday working you know, not to give away too many X's and O's here, but, you know, working on another variation of transporting the puck out of your own end in terms of more than one option to get the puck to. So so that that's encouraging, and it's going to be fun going into Columbus tomorrow. Right. Let, let's just wrap up the Vancouver game, Bob. I mean, we always see things from an Oilers perspective. Uh, you know, Rob and I talked after the game, didn't think it was as, as detailed as some of the other Oilers' efforts this year, but in the old uh, cliche of there being two teams on this. I thought that was a pluck effort by the Vancouver Canucks and, and they and they got the goaltending. Markstrom really held in there. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, uh, you know, I think Vancouver played about as well as I could for about 50 minutes last game. Uh, I'm going to be very intrigued to see what happens tonight for Vancouver at home against Colorado. I wonder if tonight's the drop-off, you know, because the Avs have struggled so much at home. Maybe they perform better playing on the road, but uh, the, the Canucks brought a lot. They had a lot going on in that game. And then, uh, you know, the owners, they had you know, their fourth line was bad in that game. They were bad all game long, and it was coming all game long. And, uh, you know, to even strength goals against the fourth line on the third defense barrier. And that is an absolute killer. And, uh, you know, you got to find ways when you're in those roles to play even. And if you don't play even, you find yourself replacing the lineup, which is why we've seen, I think, Anton Lander recall that Taylor Beck remain uh, or go down. And so, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll give Vancouver a little bit of credit, a little bit, but I was also quite, you know, I was disappointed with the owners' performance. Uh, I had some guys, the, the focus attention to detail wasn't there. The lack of urgency, and the urgency didn't really kick in until the final 10 minutes. Yeah, and they got the late goal with 93 seconds left. Everly had a point black opportunity that would have won it with about 50 seconds left, and uh, Markstrom came up with the uh, with the glove save. So you know, and then the overtime was incredibly exciting. You mentioned uh, that's the news today. Lander called up, and he's been exceptional in the AHL. 21 points in 13 games. Beck goes down. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this, Bob, and I'm wondering. Okay, uh, a road trip here. They got uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and then back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. I'm wondering if Lander is a little insurance or if, uh, you know, if Hendricks, you know, needs a night off or they just want to have another center in there to help with face-offs, penalty killing, that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, given Lander, his play earlier this season, I know it wasn't good enough to step here full-time, but I thought it, I think it was good enough that if he is up here, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a game or two on the trip. Oh, I, I think he might play before people might think he's going to play. Uh, I mean, basically, he was sent down because of a numbers game, and really it coincided with the return of Matt Edwards to the lineup uh, because Anton Ladder was playing left side on the fourth line with uh, Mark Latestu. And uh, the combination of Ladder being sent down factored in with Latestu playing increased minutes on the power play, seeing a drop off in the face off circle, and that's corresponded with the drop off in the PK. And the owners are coming off a loss. They're coming off a loss where, uh, you know, Hendricks in particular looked uh, slow on pucks. 
lead on that line. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think you have the other possible equation that's, that's here is on the back end, obviously, Zakara's coming back, and uh, I think Griva could be coming out. I mean, Griva was paired with Davidson. Those guys had a, a disappointing evening, so I think we could see a couple changes. I mean, the easy thing to do would be to keep Hendricks in. You know, it's easy and it isn't, Reed. I mean, put yourself in top of the call shoes. Here you have a guy that's, that's busted his gut for your hockey club since coming here two and a half years ago. Uh, but you can't apologize for pulling a guy out of the lineup. You know, if, if you've got other options and if you can't put together at this stage of his career, if he can't maintain the same pace and integrity of play uh, for four or five games in a row, if he's got to be planet out of the lineup every three or four games, then you owe it to the rest of the team to do it. So, uh, maybe not tomorrow night, but by Thursday definitely if the owners lose. And based on the amount of work they spent yesterday on the PK, they're certainly well aware of what Columbus can do. They got the number one ranked power play in the NHL. So, uh, you know, it's not all the realm of possibilities that uh, Lander plays on this trip early. It could be as early as tomorrow night. All right, we'll have that game for you on Chad. 3.30 face-off show. The game will start at 5. The first period just ended in Montreal, and the Czech Republic on the board. They lead Canada 1-0, so we'll keep you updated throughout Inside Sports tonight. The Columbus Blue Jackets are an incredible story, first of all, but what's interesting for them, Bob, is their last couple of years, they, they ended the 14-15 the, the season, so this, the spring of 2015, they go 13-1-1 after battling through injuries. Mark Letesti was on that team, and he was one of the guys who missed a lot of time with injuries. They rallied and just missed the playoffs. So then you go into 15-16, and people are saying, oh, well, look how Columbus finished. They're going to be a playoff team this season. And they start 0-7, and they fire Todd Richards, their head coach, and John Tortorella comes in. They're a lottery team. They draft third. They surprise a lot of people by taking Dubois instead of Pugliarvi. And now the expectations were this year were, well, probably not a playoff team. They're probably not that good. And, and now, now they put together this this incredible uh, winning streak. But they, they, they play with pace. Uh, I, I mean, I was saying earlier, fast, hard, and supportive. That's what McClellan has been wanting the Oilers to do. I think the Blue Jackets have been doing that. And plus, I mean, Bobrovsky was good here in Edmonton. He's, he'd, be a, he'd be a Vezda candidate right now if he did the voting. Well, he had a below 9-10 save percentage last year, so let's establish that. That's a factor uh, for them. He's also had a history of groin issues as season goes on, and they've had the easiest workload of any NHL team in the league right now. They have, they don't have one significant injury in their lineup. So they've had a lot. Of, they Look, they've, they've earned the record they have. It's been a great story, but... They're going to have a. It's going to catch up to them in March, where they have a bunch of games, and do they sustain any significant injuries? The one thing that I think that surprised everybody is the ability of their defense to move the puck. And uh, you know, I know that uh, I've talked to a couple of senior level executive managers, and they've stated point blank that you know you look at how Detroit used to have three pairings that can move it. Well, Columbus has got three pairings that can transition and move the puck, and then their power play has been red hot, and they're getting stops. Um, you know, it, they've got some guys that are in ridiculous hot runs right now. Saad and Atkinson and guys like that are going real good. This is going to be a, a, a challenge for the Oilers, but the last time Edmonton played Columbus, they played 18 games in 32 days, and Columbus was reasonably well-rested. So I'm looking forward to see where the Oilers are at in this matchup tomorrow night. I know one thing you're not looking forward to, Bob, and if the Oilers play really well, maybe you don't have to experience it. The Cannon. 
You visit all 30 yeah. rinks every year. Is that your least favorite feature in the NHL? <laughs> well, it's so forced, uh, you know, and part of it had to do with uh, Hitchcock and the sort of, you know, he was a Civil War buff, and they decided to enact that into part of their game day program. They try here, you know, they got a Tim Hortons next to the arena. They they do an excellent job in terms of media services and that sort of thing. The canon thing's uh, a joke, and I just it's interesting you mentioned Pierre Luc Dubois because uh, I'm watching the, the two different games at once down here right now. Obviously, watching the Rose Bowl, and there's been some big injuries for USC in the second half that have changed the complexion of their game against Penn State. And then I'm watching Canada. I saw the Americans against the Swiss before. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois has. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's he's been the biggest disappointment for Team Canada at the world junior level. And uh, 18 points in 20 games this year in the Quebec League. His rights have just been traded to Blainville. Uh, we've got one of the real power brokers in the Quebec League, Joel Bouchard. That league get, that trade gets announced here after the world juniors are over. Um, you know, I, and, and the last time the Oilers played, if I recall correctly, Pugliarvi didn't play against Columbus. So uh, Pitlick actually was in the lineup and scored the lone goal. So uh, there, there's there's lots of subplots going on, and I hope for Canada's sake they get this thing turned around. All right, Bob, I appreciate you making time for me. I know you had a travel day, so uh, and what's why I was watching the Rose Bowl at my desk. What are we at now? Because I got the hockey game on here. It's forty nine. It's forty nine thirty five. Penn State over USC. Uh, USC's got the ball on about the forty. This game's probably not done yet. It's early in the fourth quarter. Still early in the fourth quarter. Okay. Hey, man, I appreciate your time, Bob. Have a great night, and I'll talk to you on the Faceoff Show tomorrow. Yep. Stay out of trouble. Bye-bye. All right. That's Bob Stoffer checking in. He'll have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow, and of course, he's the color analyst for our Oilers broadcast here on 630 Ched and uh, the Oilers Radio Network. And I'm seeing a lot of tweets here about the uh, Bell Center in Montreal being well below capacity for a World Junior quarterfinal game between Canada and the Czech Republic. That's an interesting side storyline as well. You can always reach us, 780-496-0063. The text line is 630-630. The Oilers getting ready to face Columbus tomorrow night. We have Jody Shelley from the Columbus broadcast booth coming up as well between 7 and 7.30. You're listening to Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Well, as you heard Bob Stoffer just talking about, wonder if Matt Hendricks comes out of the lineup tomorrow and or Thursday. The Oilers on the road for four. Columbus tomorrow, then Boston on Thursday. Anton Lander has been called up from the farm. And, of course, uh, Hendricks and Cassian were sat down in the uh, third period against the Canucks on Saturday night. Latestu still got some playing time as he was on the power play and uh, was uh, on a little bit in overtime and took a shootout attempt. I I know there were uh, still some people questioning Latestu leading off the shootout against the Canucks on Saturday night. Look, the guy's over 40% in his career. He's 3-for-5 this season. The two misses... Uh, a goal post and uh, a good save by Markstrom on Saturday where uh, Latestu just didn't quite get the puck high enough. Another inch higher, inch or two, it's it's probably in. The, you know, the, sh- the shootout lineup is, is, is always an interesting debate. No one no one cares when your team wins and it doesn't go right. Why didn't they use this guy? Why didn't they use this guy? Look, quite frankly, uh, I'm, I'm fine... With Latestu leading off. I, I I really am. 
having said that, if if it's me, I I have Connor McDavid in my top three shooters just because he's so he's so talented, he's so speed, he has so much speed, and and I think he's a little unpredictable. The goaltender, I mean, just if you're a goaltender, I I would think seeing McDavid step up to take the shot is is intimidating in some way because he gives you so much to worry about. So, I mean, on Saturday, they went Latestu, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins. My top three, if I was doing the order, I'd probably go Latestu, Eberle second on his reputation and his moves, and McDavid third. And then you still got a pretty four or five. You could go Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and then, you know, you see after that if it keeps going. Most shootouts don't last that long. The Oilers did have a six-rounder against the Minnesota Wild earlier this season. But, I, I, I mean, I would not have... To, to me, the Oilers' shootout debate is not having McDavid replacing Latestu. It's having McDavid going in the top three at somebody else's expense. But it's funny. I was looking at the shootout stats on the weekend. Henrik Sedin, or no, which way was it? Uh, Daniel Sedin, four for 29 in his career. And Henrik Sedin, his entire career, which has been this entire century, has taken five shootout attempts. So, so, you know, talented players, but sometimes it doesn't go the way that you expect. But Latestu, I I know it surprised people, but he keeps getting good attempts. So you got to keep using them. Kevin says, I agree with Bob Stoffer, Pierre-Luc Dubois, huge disappointment for Team Canada. Sylvan Travis says, Hi, Reed, Happy New Year. I always enjoy hearing Bob's insight regardless that the interview sounded like it was via CB radio. Were we using the CB radio for that interview, Patrick? It was, eh? All right. We'll, we'll, we'll try something else next time. We'll try Morse code next time. Uh, Sylvan Travis also goes on to say, I'm curious what you think the Oilers' best options are regarding a backup for Talbot and how does not having our existing backup goalie not playing impact his confidence and conditioning when they get the rare chance to hit the ice. Okay, first of all, the Oilers' best option for a backup goaltender, quite frankly, was Chad Johnson, and Calgary got him in the summer. After that, it was probably Carter Hutton. St. Louis got him in the summer. Uh, I mean, it was going to be a free agent ad. I know some people have been critical of Shirelli on this, but but let's face it, the, the free agent goaltenders have their pick of where they want to go to. So maybe you didn't get the ideal guy. Talbot has played a ton, more than I expected, but he's been pretty good. I mean, you could you could argue that Cam Talbot is the Oilers' most important player so far this season. How does uh, Sylvan also says how does not having the existing backup goalie not playing impact their confidence and conditioning when they get the rare chance to hit the ice? Travis, I would say not at all. Because Jonas Gustafsson and guys like that know what boat they're riding in. And they know they're not going to play a lot. And they know they have to be ready when they get in there. When Peter Shirelli did his availability about three weeks ago, I asked him the question about goaltending. He said Gustafsson has had two bad games and two good games. Fair enough. I think they would like him to be a little better. And that's... The Oilers probably might lack a bit of confidence in him, hence the fact that he's not playing very much. But in terms of how Gustafson approaches this, I've I've talked to enough goaltenders over the year that they know the job. Only one guy can play. 
they got to be ready when when they go in. And it's their job to stop one less than another guy. And you know another thing I find interesting, guys? I mean, I know, I know that, and look, save percentage is a very valuable stat, but but I know some people say wins for, and I've read this with some of the guys that are really into the advanced stats, that wins for a goaltender aren't a good judge of a goaltender because it's based on the strength of your team and the defense in front of you. And I would say not so fast because I've never had a goaltender say, oh, I had a good save percentage this year, so I'm happy. And he went 15 and 40. All they care about is is stopping one more than the other guy. If they gotta if they gotta make eleven saves and win, that's fine. If they gotta make forty one and win, that's fine. And they the, the goalie always knows the score. He knows the game situation. So I kind of funny when you say, well, don't use wins to judge a goaltender. No, use wins to judge a goaltender. Trust me, because I mean, maybe it comes to contract time. They're looking at their save percentage. Other than that, they aren't. And I mean, we have Kelly Rudy on the show once a week, who played in one of the highest scoring eras in the in the history of the league. He was a goalie in the 80s. And he said if it was 5-5 after two, he was his approach for the third period wasn't, oh my God, I've already let in five. His approach was, all right, I gotta I gotta stop one more than the other guy in the third period. If I gotta win the game 7-6, I gotta win the game 7-6. 780-496-0063. You can always text 63630. Coming up in the second hour of the show, after the 7 o'clock news, we'll go back to Columbus and we'll bring in Jody Shelley. He covers the Blue Jackets for Fox Sports Ohio, so he'll give us a first-hand perspective of that 15-game winning streak. Second period, Canada down one nothing, Down one nothing to the Czech Republic World Junior Quarterfinal. NHL tonight, start of the third period. Devils up one nothing on the Bruins. This afternoon, Winter Classic Blues for Chicago 1. Inside Sports on Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on six thirty, Chad.